Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 138. Hey, this is Amy Porterfield from the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. And if you want to build quality relationships with quality people, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but First, if you have not done this already, please go ahead and schedule a quick chat with me. I would love to talk with you sometime just for 10 or 15 minutes over the phone. Um, head on over to buildyournetwork.co forward slash FB. And in the pinned welcome post in the top of my Facebook group, you'll see a link that goes directly to my calendar. And there you can schedule a quick chat. I'd love to talk with you sometime. So I'll catch you there or I'll catch you in the Facebook group. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Amy Porterfield. Amy is an online marketing expert and educator and the host of the top-ranked podcast, Online Marketing Made Easy. Amy has worked with mega brands like Harley-Davidson Motorcycles and peak performance coach Tony Robbins, where she oversaw the content development team and collaborated on groundbreaking online marketing campaigns. Through her best-selling marketing courses, thriving social media community, and popular podcast, 
Amy inspires a grounded, tangible, and self-affirming sense of, wow, I really can do this for over 250,000 online entrepreneurs. She proves that by moving away from step-by-step and into action-by-action. Even the newest online entrepreneurs can bypass overwhelm and self-doubt and instead generate exciting momentum as they move closer to building a life and business that they love. Amy, welcome to the show. I'm super, super stoked to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what you're most excited about right now? Well, thanks so much for having me on and what I'm most excited about. Well, I've been creating online courses since the almost the very beginning of my online marketing career. And just recently, I've been thinking about doing something different. I'll never let go of my online courses, but I'm thinking about maybe a small group coaching program or a small mastermind or a membership site or something different. So I'm excited because I'm in the creative stage. I don't know what it will be just yet, but I know I'm going to make a small pivot and that's exciting. And whatever it is, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic and I'm looking forward to it coming Thank out. Thank you. So you said since the beginning of your online marketing career. So let's go back there. First of all, talk to me about like what you were doing in high school and stuff like that. Like were you always kind of this entrepreneurial spirit? Did you is something that you learned? Did you have these dreams of running a seven-figure online business when you were in high school? Or were you like the, hey, I'm going to go to school and get my degree and stuff like that? How did oh start? my gosh. I was definitely not thinking about being an entrepreneur. Sometimes <laughs> I hear Gary Vee talk about selling those baseball cards when he yeah. was really young. I don't have any stories like that. I actually no. never thought about being you're an just, entrepreneur. You're, you're an imposter, Amy. You're not... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I never thought about it. I took the corporate route from day one right out of high school. I mean, right out of college, I had a corporate job in publishing and I just focused on moving up the ladder from the different jobs that I had. And so it's funny when I look back and I think that's never really been in my mind. However, my dad, who is a firefighter, so he's blue collar to the bone, he always used to say, Amy, find a way to be your own boss. And he loved his job, but he worked for the city. And so it wasn't something that he was doing, but he always said it to me and my sister. So I think it must have been in the back of my mind. Yeah, totally, totally. So then how is that transition then? I think a lot of people struggle with the whole... like When when you're raised to believe a certain thing is true, meaning that like, hey, school and all this other stuff, this is the way that I'm going to become successful. And then you start realizing that it's not the way that you're going to become successful. A lot of people have a lot of problems with that as far as believing that it's something that is possible for them. Can you talk to us about that transition and how you eventually ended up like started actually putting some of these things into practice? Yes. So when I was working for Tony Robbins, which I did for about six and a half years as the director of content development, I was invited to a meeting and uh, very humbling, I was invited to take notes. So I wasn't even invited to the main table. And at that main table, there was a bunch of internet marketers there. And they were coming in to talk to Tony about their online businesses. He was just venturing out into doing online launches with his digital products. So he wanted to hear from people who had gone before. And so I sat at a table and took notes and Tony went around and asked the guys, they were all men, what do you do in your business? And if you know the internet marketing space, it was Frank Kern, Evan Pagan, Brendan Bouchard, Jeff Walker, and they were all talking about (laughs) their businesses. I know. And at the time, I didn't know who these guys were, but my ears perked up and I thought, what are they talking about? They were talking about creating programs and selling them online and using video marketing and email marketing. And they were also talking about their lifestyle. The fact that they were their own boss, they were calling the shots. And in that moment, definitely it sounds so dramatic and I didn't know it at the time, but my life changed because I was very curious about 
what the heck they were talking about. And so over the next year, I made some pivots in the Robbins organization. I asked to go over to the marketing department so I could work on these launches. And I just learned everything I could. Now, Tony talks about being an entrepreneur. So after you hear that for over 6 years, it starts to kind of get inside of you. And so with learning the things I learned from Tony, and then also hearing these guys talk about these online marketing businesses and getting to a point that I no longer wanted a boss. So I just reached a point that I thought, I don't want to be on someone else's schedule. I was traveling the world, which sounds so glamorous, but I was always on somebody else's schedule, always creating for somebody else. And I did not want to be told what to do anymore. So I just... Something shifted in me. And I thought, I've got to find a way to be my own boss. And that is what propelled me into being an entrepreneur. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like like hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, That work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. There's so many things to pick apart here, but one of the things that I really like about this is... Okay, so how old were you at this time, Amy? I was in my early 20s or mid-20s. Okay, so early to mid-20s when you were working with Tony. This is a huge thing that I work with people sometimes because they lose this level of practicality because they get swallowed up in the idea of being an entrepreneur. And I think there's so many people that just give up their income stream way too soon. Like it'd be the equivalent to you like getting into that space and being like, you know what, this is dumb year one, and then getting out and trying to do your right. own thing. You know, right. I mean? like Tony talks about being an entrepreneur all the time and how it's beneficial and all this other stuff. So then you're just like, man, I should go do that. And then you just like jump in and you don't have anything. You don't have any seed capital. You got to live on a couch. Like there's so many different levels of practicality to this. Like you do not have to like go jump into entrepreneurship right now today in order to be a real quote unquote real entrepreneur. I don't even know what a real entrepreneur really is <laughs> to be honest. You know what I mean? But some people like get like fall in love with the Gary Vee mentality. And I, I love all of almost all of what Gary Vee has to say. 
And I think even if you talk to him, he would tell you like, hey, be practical. Like he got a family to provide for. You can't just like go quit right now. But right. he does talk about is taking advantage of those hours between 7 p.m. and 2 a.m. That's what I like so much about what you said. You're like, hey, I had this aha moment when I was in a meeting and I was expecting you to say, and then the month after I quit, but it wasn't that. It was a year later after like switching departments, learning more and more and more, and then gaining all this information and education. Then that's when I switched. And that's when I took everything that I've learned with money that I made and then started my own thing. So now you're in your mid-20s, you're starting your own business. What route do you take it in? So at that point, I started working on social media consulting with small businesses, which is not what my plan was. So by now, I'm getting into about 29, 30 years old. So I started Robbins when I was about 24. So I ended when I was about 30. And then I went out on my own. And so I started to do my social media marketing for small businesses. And I wanted to create online training programs and sell them in launches because that's what I learned at Robbins. But I didn't know what to teach. I didn't know how to create an online training course. And I just did what I knew. So I did a lot of social media and learned a lot of it before I left Robbins. So I did that for 2 years. And I tease, but it's very serious. I created a business I hated. I hated doing social media consulting for small businesses. It was just not a good fit for me. I often yeah. tease that I left having one big boss. Tony's a big guy physically. Mm-hmm. I left having one big boss to like eight mini bosses. I had no boundaries. So I had all these clients bossing me around telling me what to do. And it just wasn't a good fit. And funny enough, One thing that changed everything after those two years of me realizing I do not like this business I created, my experience with networking propelled me into the next stage of my business. Okay. So great transition there. (laughs) So let's just keep talking on that. Okay. So there's something I was going to come back to the story about Tony, because that is something if I could go back to when I was 18 or 19, that's something that I would definitely do. And that's what I write. If you're listening to this and you are 18, 19, 17, 16, around that age, I highly recommend go find somebody that you admire, somebody that you follow their content, really love what they're doing and go learn from them. Like Go work for them. Ask to do whatever that they need done and get around those people. That's something that I I really wish that I would have done when I was a little bit younger, but you obviously made the most of that time going forward. How did that time with Tony help you? And then talk to us about how networking transitioned you to the next stage of your business after that. Okay. So working with Tony was amazing in the sense that I learned so much. I was a sponge for sure. I think the biggest lesson I learned there was that anything is possible. Meaning if you are resourceful, you can always find the yes in any situation, no no matter how dire it might seem. And so with my business today, my team knows like anything's possible. We are never going to say no. If we think that we want to do something, we're going to figure it out. So that's helped me every step of the way. But here's what happened. I went out on one of the biggest shifts leaving Robbins and making money right away was that I helped with a white paper while I was still at Robbins. Tony wanted a white paper for to promote an event. This is way back in the day when white papers were way more popular. And Tony wanted... Like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? So it's like this big report that you yeah. put together. And we found a guy named Mike Stelsner to write the white paper. And I was the liaison between Tony and Mike Stelsner. Mike and I started to really form a great relationship. So I put myself out there and I told him a little bit about my situation and I followed what he was doing. And he was just getting started with a website 
website called Social Media Examiner, which is wildly popular now. And so me networking with Mike in that situation and really being a liaison between Tony and Mike propelled me into my next stage because Mike said, Hey, if you're really serious about leaving, I've got this website I'm starting and you can come over and help me with some things. And I've got a lot of work. So he was actually one of my very first clients, which was really cool. But here's the coolest thing from there. And I tell this story all the time. So I'm not just telling it just because this, you know, you do a podcast around networking. This truly is part of my story in the sense that from there, Mike started taking me to Blog World, which was in Vegas at the time. And I'm totally dating myself because I don't even think this event is around anymore. But <laughs> we went to Blog World every year. Mike would take me and I would wrangle people for him to interview for his brand new website. So I'd literally go get big names and say, can you come back? And Mike's going to interview you for a show kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when I did this, I met so many people. So I put myself out there. I'm an introvert to the core. And real quick, and too, real quick too, sorry to interrupt. Did people know who Mike was at this event? Or was it just like, hey my boss wants to interview you. So we set the interviews up in advance. So we told them who Mike was in case they didn't know. He yeah. had a name for himself, but nothing like he has now. And right. so we set it up in advance before we got to Vegas. And then I'd have to go wrangle these people and say, remember you said you'd do an interview? Well, okay. it's time kind of thing. Okay, go, so go ahead. So I got to meet all these people. So it was like networking at its very best. And while I was there, I met Lewis Howes and we became fast friends at this network. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. So we became fast friends at Blog World. And one day, it was like the second year in a row, he said, Hey, Amy, I want you to create a Facebook product and I want to promote it. Him and his partner at the time, Sean Malarkey. And so I said, Really? And he said, Yeah, it would be a great thing. Now, Lewis had a name at that time, but again, not as big as he has now. And so I said, Yes, it just felt right. And if I didn't put myself out there, this would have never happened. And the product I did with Lewis, it was my very first successful product. It was incredible incredibly lucrative. And from there, it propelled me into my most successful programs to date. And so putting myself out there literally changed the trajectory of my future. This is what I love about networking stories because the story that you just told was just like, a, so I got this one thing, then I, I led to this other thing. Yes. Once I was at that thing, I did really well here and it led to this other thing. And then I met this one guy here who led <laughs> to this thing. You know, like th this is why I love these stories because I have a hard time sometimes, Amy, convincing people that networking is worth a big chunk of your, not only time, but your money and investing in yourself to go to events and to join high level masterminds and to build real good quality relationships relationships with good quality people. And sometimes I have a hard time convincing people because they don't see the immediate ROI. There's You never know what will happen, which is the good thing. But it's also the bad thing because you never know what will happen. So you might spend this money traveling to this event and uh, staying at the hotel and buying the event ticket and all this other stuff. But you don't see how it's going to immediately affect your business tomorrow. So you just don't do it. right? Yeah. So this is why I love these stories because there's no way on God's green earth that you could have planned out every single one of those steps that you just talked about. Oh my gosh, no. You are so, so right. <laughs> it's like years of connecting and then making the most of those connections, being competent, adding value to people, and then connecting, and then adding value, and then connecting, and then adding value and connecting. And it's, those are just the best stories to me. So true. Totally agree. So here's a question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. Curious to hear what your answer is going to be. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Oh, okay. So I want to say, because I feel like it sounds better if I say it's about what you know, 
However, I know a lot of people that aren't incredibly smart in what they do, but they have these amazing connections and so they make it work. Mm. So I just feel, here's what I believe. I believe it's who you know to a certain extent. But if you can't get it together and offer value once who you know gets you to where you want to go, then it's never going to work out. So you've you've got to bring something to the table. You have to offer value. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's easier when you know a few people that can help you open up some doors. Right. Well, and the cool thing though is like, take your story for instance, right? Like you offered value to each of these connections that we're talking about, right? Yes. But you don't have to be like Richard Branson to offer value to somebody. I think people have this like this idea that like they have to have written like 12 books before they can offer Like you don't have to come with a million dollar deal to the table in order to connect with somebody. Like exactly what you did, like working for Tony and being a liaison between Tony and Michael Stelzner and then helping him with a new site and then connecting with Lewis Hout. Like all these things, like you were just adding value in micro ways until you were able to add value on a macro way. But the thing is people always need value. Like people always need things done. So if you can figure out what that little thing is, like for me, well, for instance, I would not be on this phone call with you, Amy, if I were not friends with John Lee Dumas. And the reason that I think I became friends with him is first of all, I paid for a mastermind that he put on, which helps when you pay for stuff that somebody has. But totally I also, agree. Yeah. But I also worked to cultivate a connection with him after that event was long done. So I have a background in door-to-door sales and retail sales. I've done a lot of different direct sales and different things like that. So I offered to run John's booth selling his Freedom and Mastery Journal for him totally for free at Podcast Movement. And then he asked me to do it for another event that he spoke at Thrive last year. And so during these times, I wasn't making any money. I took a step away from my business. I paid for myself to get out to these events just to do something completely for free for John Lee Dumas. But in turn, like he's been a huge mentor to me. I have a consistent relationship with him. It wasn't now when he introduces it to me to people, it's not like, oh yeah, this is one guy he paid for a mastermind like a year ago. You know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, this is my friend Travis and he runs the show. And and you know what I mean? Like it's a completely yes. different relationship now because there was something that I saw that I could add value to. Like who am I going to introduce John to? I, I didn't have like he had all the connections that I wanted. Like he There was nobody that I could introduce him to. I didn't have a million dollar deal on the table to bring to it to be like, hey, let's connect. Like All I did was find something that he needed and I filled that void and helped gave a lot of my time to be able to cultivate that connection. And I think that there's people that undervalue that. Would you agree with that? Oh, a million percent. I mean, I have such a similar story with Marie Forleo where I started in her mastermind as well. And I consider her a dear friend that I could text in a hot minute if I needed anything. And I think that people might think, oh, you paid for that friendship. Heck no, because there's a lot of people that paid to be in these people's masterminds that they never talk to anymore. Mm -hmm. But if you find a way to make it a genuine connection, and I think you've probably talked about this before, your heart just has to be in the right place. It's never about making something happen for you. And if that truly is the case, magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. Being genuine. I mean, this is a fundamental principle to networking, I think, is just being genuine and caring about people and taking... like I'm curious to hear how what you think about this, Amy. I don't think that there should be a difference between quote-unquote networking and real relationship building. I think a lot of people separate those two things. They treat networking as like an opportunity to go make sales and bring in money for their business. And then they treat like hanging out with their friends at the bar down the street as like building relationships with their friends. Right. I don't think that the two are separate. You know? Yes. What do you say about that? 
I would totally agree. I think that if you actually treated all of that the same, you'd see some pretty cool things happen. I think it's all about that, those organic relationships that happen when your heart is in the right place for it. So I love that you make that distinction. Yeah. And what are some ways now we've been talking a lot about value being genuine, all that kind of stuff. So what's a practical way that somebody sitting out here listening would be able to just start adding value to people? Like let's say they, you know, they suffer a lot from the imposter syndrome. They don't feel like they have a lot of value to bring to the table. What are some different ways that you think that they could start really trying to offer value to others? You know, I have a quick little example that keeps coming to mind when I think about somebody offering immense value. There's this guy out there. He's an Instagram expert. His name is Tyler McCall. And I would have never known who Tyler was, not because he's not a big deal, just because he would have probably have never made it into my world. Like our worlds wouldn't have crossed so soon, except for the fact that he posted something about following maybe one of my podcasts or something that I had put out there. And he gave me praise online and it was on Instagram. And I thought that was so very cool. And I pay attention to that stuff and I thank him and whatnot. And then I kind of started to follow like, what is this guy all about? And so I started following on Instagram and he would put out great things. And then we'd start to talk in the DMs. And over the last, let's say six months, I feel like Tyler is a really good friend of mine. I've invited him on my podcast. He is an up-and-comer in the sense that he hasn't been on the scene that long. However, he's making a big splash. And just today, he was posting some stuff on Instagram. And I noticed he's on four other people's podcasts, big names, because he's sought after. And it all started with he looked for other people's content to give them a shout out on whatever social platform. And it was in a genuine way. Like he talked about, this is why I love Amy's podcast. This is why you should listen. So little things like that go a long way with those that might be a little bit ahead of you, but genuinely appreciate the feedback. Yeah, totally. And stuff like that's just so underrated. But also I would add to that, that if you do this, like if you're sitting out there and listening and you're like, Hey, you know, I've done that before and they've never even like looked at it or gotten back to me, realize that like someone like Amy, someone like John, like some of these people that I've been on the show, like they have a lot of demands on their time. So if you do this and you don't get a response, don't take it personally, just figure out another different way to be resourceful and get around that and add some more value. But look, eventually though, if you are constantly pushing forward somebody's content, they can't help but notice what you're doing for them. If you're an evangelist for what they're doing, then they can't help but notice that eventually. It's so funny when sometimes I'll have people reach out to me, Amy, and be like, I'm a big fan of your show. And they'll say something that makes me tell that they've never listened to anything yes. that I've ever put out there. Do you get that sometimes? Oh, I do. And it drives me nuts. So it makes a big deal. And I'm going to say something that's going to make me sound a little bit like a jerk. So I hope you know it's coming from a good place. I also don't like when people reach out and say, Hi, Amy, I'm a big fan. How can I support you? And I feel very awkward in those moments because I don't know. I'm not going to tell them how they can support me. I feel like that's an actual lazy way of making connections. And I know this makes me sound a little bit jerky. But my point being is that find your way of how you can support someone. Pay attention. Just like you said, really be a fan if you're going to say you're a fan and you'll find those little ways. But at the same time, you don't have to force it. And a person of influence is likely not going to tell you how to support them. Yeah. And exactly what you said though, 
is that it's lazy. It's just a lazy yeah. way to try to do it. It's the numbers game approach. It's the like, I'm going to reach out to 50 influencers today. I'm going to ask them all how I can support that's them. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, and totally. so that's why and I'm not a big fan. Is. Yeah, totally. It's just like, I know I'm supposed to lead with value because Amy knows Marie Forleo, like she just said. So if I reach out to her and ask her if I, how I can support her and then I do that, then I can ask her for a connection to Marie. Like to me, it's just when people ask <laughs> that, it feels like it comes with an attached like outcome that they're trying to get out of the situation. So right. Lazy. And then the only reason to ask someone how you can support them is so that you're like adding value to them without expecting anything in return. But the question itself to me makes it seem like you're wanting something in return. <laughs> I know? appreciate you saying that. So I don't sound like so much of a jerk. I think that's what <laughs> it feels like to me. So, yeah. and it happens a lot. So that's why I thought, mm, maybe I should mention it here. Yeah. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Yeah. Do you know JP Sears? No, I don't know that name. He does a lot of comedy videos on YouTube and stuff. And he has like a a spiritual health, like a spiritual and health coach business. Oh, yes. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. I had him on the show and I asked him, I asked him that question. I was like, what is the most annoying question that someone can ask you like at an event or something like that? What did he say? And he said exactly that. Stop it. He was like, I think the most annoying question is people that come to me and say, JP, how can I support you? Oh my gosh. I love it. I love the man even more now. I was like, like, and how do you answer that question? He goes, I say, you know, the way that you can support me best is to not ask me that question. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) That's funny. It's it's funny you start talking to a lot of people about this stuff because everybody's thinking it. But like you said, sometimes it's like difficult because you know that people are just trying to be people, right? And you don't want to like sound like a complete jerk, but you also want to be like, okay, but you need to learn from this and not do it again because that's not how you're going to get a response. So we talked about a way to not reach out to you. We talked about a way to reach out to you online. What about in person? Like when somebody comes up to you at an event, what's a good way for them to get your attention and make a difference? You know, let's see here. So to get my attention and make a difference, I think what you said, it makes a big deal to me and that is a big deal to me. When somebody comes up to me and says, Amy, I love your podcast, especially the episode about XYZ. So they actually know my podcast and then they tell me what they did with it. I am obsessed with action takers. So when people share their stories, their small wins, their big wins, or even their struggles and what they're doing about it, and somehow it relates to something that they learned from me, it lights me up and I just... I want, I'm a sponge. I want to hear all about it. And typically we reach out to those people and we hear more about their story. And so when I'm at live events, I'm snapping people's name tags all the time because they have fun stories that I'd like to share with my other students to show them what's possible. And so sharing your stories, even if they're small wins are a big deal to me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Just what you're saying, like researching the person that you want to connect with is such an important thing. Like knowing what you're getting yourself into by having a conversation with this person. Like even like if somebody searched your name, right? And they see this episode come up, you're literally telling them right now on the air in a recording that they can listen to at any time that tells them exactly how to connect with you. But there's so many people who just like don't like actually consume your content. They just see that you're a speaker at an event and feel like they should know you because you're someone that's important. And then they come up and like spew a bunch of nonsense, take a bunch of your time and then leave you like, what, what, who is yes. that? Like, how did that just happen? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm now an observer to these kinds of things since I've worked a few events with John and stuff and people come up to him and do this to him on like all the time. I'm just like, that was amazing. Like that was incredible that that guy spent his entire time standing there talking about what he's done and how cool he is when he had like John in front of him, he could have asked him. <laughs> 
and like actually it's interesting, huh? I know. Very interesting. It's so weird. (laughs) So give me one thing, Amy, one tip that somebody could take and advise, like they're just tuning into this episode and they got to go do something right now. And if that's you, by the way, you should listen to the rest of this because there's so much great content from Amy here. But if they just are going to walk away with this one tip on how to become a better quote unquote networker, what would your tip be? Okay. So it's simple, but not everybody wants to do this. You have to get out there in real life. And coming from an introvert that literally could easily be a shut-in because I love to be at my home in Carlsbad, I believe you have to go out there. Now you can start with your local events, but I want you on a plane going to a really fun networking event, whether it be for marketing or anything in your field, you've got to make a thing of it. Because when you have skin in the game, when you spend a little money to make the travel work and and get out there, you're going to be showing up. You're going to get the most out of it. And the biggest moments for me were when I traveled to networking events and I met people. I got my book deal. I mean, it was a dummy's book, but I got a book deal from being out there and going to dinner when I didn't want to go out of my hotel room. The Lewis House incident was because I got out there. I didn't want to wrangle people for Mike Stelzner, but I knew that this was a great opportunity for me to step out from the computer and meet people. So I pushed myself and I do have to push myself to do those things, but that's my advice. So how much is too much? Like somebody's out there, they're like, man, I need to go do some more of this stuff. Because I know some people that are just like conference junkies, but they never actually like do anything with any of the stuff that they ever do. I say no more than once a quarter. Okay. So that's a perfect litmus test. If you're going to more than one thing per quarter. Now, if you're talking about one event per quarter though, are you talking about like a big out of state, like marketing specific event or, you know, like really actually any event. So like if there's like a local meetup for, you know, real estate agents and you're a real estate agent, like you should take advantage of those opportunities. But like to go to the big conference in Dallas, when you live in Florida, you know, you should probably schedule, like keep that to like a little bit staggered, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like two to four times a year in terms of networking, it gets expensive. And you're right. One thing I don't do a lot is I don't go to a lot of events as much anymore. And the reason for that is they literally take me off my game. When I'm working on a project and I'm moving forward with my team and I stop to get ready for an event, go to an event and come back and try to recuperate, I have probably missed a whole week, if not more, of being productive in my business. So you have to remember going out, there is a cost to that. Mm -hmm. And so there's this fine balance between all of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what about a budget? If you're looking at this and you're like, okay, one event per quarter, but that's a lot of money still. (laughs) What what advice would you say like, hey, look, you should stretch yourself because these things are that important or it's just like a, hey, case by case basis? I say if money is tight, you do one or two a year and then you look for some local events that you can go to, like networking meetups, that kind of thing, because it does get really expensive. And I think that I probably spent too much in my early days thinking I needed to do it. I think I did it too much in the first two years. And yeah, so I do believe that I wasn't doing the work enough and I was putting myself out there, but probably a little too much. So be mindful of the budget. And if it's stretching you a little bit too thin, pull back. I don't think you should be going into debt for this. Okay. That is exactly what I kind of wanted to hear because I know some people... I mean, it's crazy. I mean, they're literally $30,000, $40,000 in debt just from events. 
Like, yeah, no way. Bro, you need to chill for a second. Like, yes. come back and do some work. <laughs> you know, yes, and yes. Put some money in your bank account and then like take a second look at it next year. So, what about mentorships or small group mastermind settings in regards to all of this? Should this be included in the three or four events a year in your networking budget? Are these separate things that are just based on like the phase that you're at in life? Have you personally invested in them? What tell me what your thoughts are? Okay, so this is where. I have a different take on it. If you are thinking about joining a mastermind, and in these days, masterminds are even more popular than when I started, and there's going to be a hefty price tag. So let's say it's a $25,000 a year mastermind. And if that's something that you want to do and you've done your research, you've talked to the leader, they are someone you would want to aspire to. These are all things you've got to think about. And it's all yeses. Then I think one, you pay in installments to make it easier for you. And two, you stretch yourself. And the reason I feel strongly about this is because that's exactly what I did when I joined Marie Forleo's mastermind way back in the day. It was $17,000 at the time. I did not have anywhere close to that. And every month I was scared, oh my gosh, I hope I make enough money to pay for this. So I had so much skin in the game that I did everything Marie told me to do. I was like the best student because I needed this to work. And I don't have a problem with that. I think that kind of hustles totally fine when you're just getting started. So that meant I went to less events around that time because I couldn't afford both. But it was definitely a stretch. Going to a networking event and joining a mastermind, totally different ballgame. Yeah. When you pay, you pay attention. So if you're sitting out there and you're wondering where you should put your money, I would highly recommend, it sounds like Amy would too, go do some research on some masterminds. You need to do some research though. Don't just go find somebody that you're like, hey, that's a famous person. Here's a bunch of money. Make sure that it is applicable to something that you have going on currently. And make sure, like Amy said, hit the nail on the head with this, that it's somebody that you aspire to be. Don't pay somebody money to teach you how to do things that you don't even want to do. (laughs) <laughs> like yes. you would even align with their message. You just know that they're famous, like just joining that person's mastermind just for the sake of like, well, I'm in that person's mastermind, even though like you can't even take any of the stuff that they tell you to do. And you can't even cultivate that connection that much because you're not even like close to being the same people. Like be smart about it because it is a lot of money. But I wholeheartedly agree that it's, especially when you're starting out, it's a great way to just really fast forward to to skip rungs on the ladder to shorten that runway for yourself. So Amy, there's so much stuff I could talk about with you. There's, you have such a wealth of knowledge on this all this information, but crunched for time. So let's go ahead and move on to the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. I get so nervous for these. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing right. nervous about. Yeah. All right. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Oh, so easy. I would be a professional planner. I can organize like you would never believe. (laughs) (laughs) If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? It would easily be Oprah. And the reason for that is I think she's a master interviewer and I want some of those strategies and tactics. No kidding. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Every single day, I have an audiobook in my ear on my walk with Scout. So I'd say that's the, my favorite way. What is an audiobook that you'd recommend to the audience? Right now, I'm listening to High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard, and I love it. Mm, that's a great a good one. one. That is a great one. Also, I hope Scout is doing okay. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> 
I got my two dogs are sleeping right now. And I've just been hoping this whole interview that they don't wake up and start Uh, story of my life. Me (laughs) too. I get it. (laughs) Um, Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. So I get up around 5.30 a.m. In the first half hour, my boys are still asleep, my husband and my son. So I do some journaling. I call them thought downloads. And so I make sure I do that. I have my butter coffee every single morning. And I take Scout for a walk just for about 30 minutes, but it is a necessity for him. And for me, I really enjoy it. And I have a personal trainer that I work out with virtually on my computer via Skype. So I go into my husband's man cave, which it is so manly. I can't even handle it. It smells like sweat when I go in there, but I use it just for the gym. So I go in there and I do a workout with him three to four days a week. And so that's my morning routine. And for those of people out there who just like perked up when you said butter coffee and were wondering what that is, can you give just like a little quick explanation? <laughs> also called bulletproof coffee, you where go. you put ghee and some MCT oil, and it's supposed to be really good for your brain. And I do physically feel different with it. What is your go to pump up song? Oh, by far, Journey Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> <laughs> what is something that you are just not very good at? Oh my gosh, so many things. I am not good at singing or anything like with an instrument. I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) As we get everything wrapped up here, Amy, what is one place online where we will be able to find you the most? Well, thanks for asking, amyporterfield.com. Perfect. So head over to amyporterfield.com. For any and all things, Amy, highly recommend checking out all the content that she puts out there. So much great practical, tactical things that you should implement into your business today. So Amy, thank you so much for coming to the show. I seriously had a blast chatting with you. Thanks so much for having me, Travis. I appreciate it. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media dot media forward slash fb remember you're only one connection away support for this podcast and the following message come from corient corient provides wealth management services centered around you they focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.